from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. You ever have those moments in life you're waiting for information? You think about the information that you're waiting on and in your assessment, you know that whatever that information is, it's not going to be good. The understanding of that is the following. To what degree is it going to be bad? Our watchword today is the word confirmation for years now, and I mean years. Many of us have followed the case of J.J. Vallow and Tyler Ryan. Today, we have confirmation. We have confirmation of something that we've had swirling around in our minds for a while. We have confirmation that it is as bad as we thought that it might be. Today, we're going to talk about the findings of the forensic pathologist who testified in the trial of Lori Daybell. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Dave Mack, I'd like to say that I enjoy what I do as a podcast host. I truly do look forward to the time that you and I spend together discussing cases and discussing forensics and everything. I got to tell you something, brother. I'm not looking forward to this. 
for the past 24 hours, we've been kind of listening to everything that the scientists have had to say in the Lori Vallow trial. It is heartbreaking. It is horrific. I don't know that that I have enough adjectives to begin to describe it when taking what I know of the science of trauma and forensics and melding that with what these kids experienced in their last moments. The Lori Vallow Daybell trial is going on. Tylee was 16 years old, two weeks away from her 17th birthday. JJ, just a, a little fella, seven years old, and they went missing. When we first started covering this case, it was a missing child case. There are two children missing, and we don't know where they are. But her mom, Tylee's mom, JJ's mom, is in Hawaii and has married some guy. So we were backpedaling, trying to put these pieces together. We already know that JJ and Tylee are both gone. They're both passed away, which is what we're going to actually talk about today. But the reality is it started as a missing persons case with some very religious adults involved. I've got a grandchild JJ's age. It has been very emotional to think of what happened to this boy and his older sister. And it was done at the hands of people who were supposed to love and care for them. I have so many questions, and I'm praying that you're going to be able to give us the answers that will at least help us understand the mechanics of what took place. I've been scratching my head over it, David. Let me say this going into this conversation. I've been talking with some of my friends that are on the ground in the courtroom who are physically there in the news media. And to a person, they described the reaction of people in the courtroom and even members of the jury. There were people, they were so disgusted by what they saw that they turned away. There were people wiping tears away. They couldn't bear to look at as a matter of fact the judge at one point tom had to step in and say okay that's going to be the limit of what we're going to be showing here because it was so so horrible what they were bearing witness to and i always have to go back to what is expected of a a jury member maybe one of the most honorable things you can do in this country i know people grouse about it and complain that they got called away from work but when you think about the privilege that it is to sit on a jury and you're common everyday folk people like me dave i've seen i haven't seen everything but i've seen a lot of stuff it's tough and a case like this is even tougher but just all the more so for these jury members that are having to to take all of this in and view it in balance and try to understand and try to take the measure of it. I mean, really try to take the measure of it. You mentioned your grandbaby. I got grandbabies too. You sit there and you think about it and you think, oh my God, we can try to understand precisely what happened in leading us along this journey. We had the benefit of having a man named Dr. Garth Warren, who is actually with the Ada County Coroner's Office in over in Boise. And just so folks know, J.J. and Tylee's remains were not examined in that location, that remote location over in eastern Idaho. They were transported to Ada County, to that coroner's facility there. 
folks might not understand, but if you don't have a facility, particularly that is manned by a forensic pathologist, you most of these little counties will contract with a bigger county that does. That's what happened here. So their remains had to be transported literally all the way across the state. It's a painstaking process. To back up a minute, I mentioned early on, this was at first a missing child case. Two children were missing. Their mom was not sharing information about their whereabouts. She was telling all kinds of different stories to people who knew her, that they were with a friend, they were with a relative, I'm keeping them safe. And what ended up happening through the investigation of law enforcement and the FBI, everybody being involved, that's how they were led to, on June 9th, 2020, finding two separate burial sites at Chad Daybell's house. So we actually started the looking for JJ and Tylee in November of 2019 when their grandmother asked for a welfare check on JJ. Hadn't talked to him in a couple of months. Very concerned. And that's where this story began for many of us. That's why I said we were backing up right at the beginning. The bodies are recovered on June 9th of 2020. For you, Joseph Scott Morgan, what are some things you're thinking about? What do you need to find as a forensic person to determine how these people were killed and why are they where they are? It's not just what's beneath the surface, Dave. It's what the ground is going to tell you in that area, particularly when you have a clandestine grave. And that's what both of these cases would be considered. That's the way we term it, a clandestine grave. That means a location where remains have been purposely buried in order to hide them. There are certain changes that you look for externally on the surface for turned soil, all those sorts of things that don't quite match up. And these are two distinct locations where these children were found. You know, when we think about Tylee, you know, a lot has been made of the fact that her remains were found immediately adjacent to what they refer to as a pet cemetery. Animals were buried there that were associated with this familial group, which we could go down that rabbit hole all day long when you begin to assess how the remains of your precious daughter are treated and that you discard them amongst the carcasses of dead animals. And of course, there's a burn pit there too. And what was really striking to me when I first initially saw the aerial photography in this case is I could see before the ERT, the evidence response team from the FBI showed up. There was like a ring around this area where they, had, you know, you could tell that the family had at one point in time pulled up large wooden benches. They were like felled trees that were kind of sliced down. You could sit on them and they created a ring. Eventually all those are moved, but you can see the initial image of this. And it conjured up, you know, sitting around a bonfire with your family, playing the guitar, singing, making s'mores. And all of these sorts of things, you know, a kind of joyous environment. And then you marry that up with this horrific finding when they began to try to discern where she was. And her grave was not that deep below the initial surface. As a matter of fact, we found out that there's been some animal activity around there. But just to kind of frame this, when you see her location, you know that it's adjacent to where things were burned, all right? Maybe bonfires, maybe just trash off of this this farming area. You walk a distance over, there's what appears to be a dried pond. It's like a 
big defect in the ground. It almost looks like a crater, but it's real green. It was real green and lush, but there was one area where soil had been turned, and it's right on the edge. And that's where JJ's remains were found. So he's in a completely different area. It looks kind of very peaceful compared to where Tylee was, where there was a lot of traffic. There was no traffic in that area where JJ was found. Soil had not been turned around the surrounding area. You could tell there was not a lot of foot traffic except in that one location where he was deposited. And these two children were treated completely different, Dave. Completely different. And you're really learning a lot about how their bodies were handled. And I think going along with that, you begin to learn a lot about the people that would have done this level of harm to these poor, innocent children. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to, somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's better. H-E-L-P dot slash bags. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You learn a lot about people in two areas, how you treat your prisoners and how you treat your dead. 
think you can learn a lot about society. You can learn a lot about behavior of people. And when it comes down to J.J. Vallow, his body was, I don't know, there's really no other term to use other than cocooned. He was cocooned. He was protected to a certain degree, certainly protected from the elements. You know, when you compare how his mortal remains were treated compared to his sister, you've got a big difference here, huge difference. For him, his body, his little body, his little broken body was able, I think, in this particular case, to begin to tell a tale because it was so very intact, Dave. When you get to the scene and police have done their investigation, they have gotten the search warrants and they've laid out how they came about to search this property. The police don't know the exact place. I mean, they have a really good idea. In this particular case, police were watching Chad Daybell. He was on the property. It was his property. And they were watching Chad as they began working in that backyard. And the detective noticed that Chad Daybell kept watching where they were looking and kept following with his eyes, looking at the same spot. Like, they haven't found him yet. They haven't found him yet. They noticed where he was looking. And that sent the detectives on where we need to dig right here for J.J. They didn't know J.J. versus Tylee at that point, but that's how they actually figured out where to start. What is the process that they go into? I can't imagine them pulling out big shovels and just digging in deep. No, no. First off, you have to document everything you can with photography and videography before you ever put what we call spade to dirt and turn any bit of soil whatsoever. And even before the tools come out, you're going to do what's referred to as gridding off an area. And if you just imagine a grid coordinates only on a smaller scale and you make each one of the little squares maybe a foot by a foot and you have several of these along the way and you label these, you're going into a specific grid and that way you can document everything that's contained within that grid because you don't know what you're going to find. So as you take the soil out and place it into a bucket, which is where it would have gone and those buckets are labeled, they sift through everything until you get down to the body as it is. And in JJ's case, I'd mentioned the word cocooning, and he is wrapped. He's wrapped in plastic bags. He certainly got a a white bag over his head. I can specifically imagine, because I've been in circumstances like this, you look down and you begin to take the measure of what you have before you. And you have a body, what appears to be a body, that is covered in plastic. I've had them in shower curtains, tarps, visqueen, those sorts of things where bodies are wrapped up like that, and you don't know what is inside. And so it was at that moment when they got down to that point where they had recovered all of the surrounding dirt, because you don't know what you're going to find in there. You have to save all this stuff and sift through it. The investigator then opened up the plastic bag, the outer black plastic bag that J.J. was wrapped in total and determined that he did, in fact, have remains here. When they made that slit in the bag, in the testimony, they described brown hair and a crowning. I can't imagine the feeling that comes over you when you see hair. You know this is who you've been looking for. What is that like? Does that not really impact 
these individuals for the rest of their life with that trauma? It doesn't right at the moment because you're, if you've got your clinical hat on, which you should to protect you while you're there, there's certain things you just can't escape. But there's a bit of relief, too, in a case like this because you know that you've been looking for him. And all those those sweet pictures that we see of J.J. all over the place, you know, his, his hair is like swept to one side. I mean, and it's like parted on one side and kind of swept. He's got long bangs and you can get an idea as to the color of his hair. And they knew that this is they're getting into, you know, they're getting into the arena where they're going to begin to narrow down at least visual identification at this point in time. It's one of the boxes that will be ticked at that moment in time. But you listen, there is a real temptation that comes upon you. You have to restrain yourself at a scene like this, Dave, because you want to just go in and just rip the bag open, right? And just dig in and see what's there. That's the worst thing you can do. That is the absolutely worst thing that you can do because you're not in a controlled environment. First off, you've got a dozen hands around you. You've got everybody peeking over and wanting to see. And at a, at just a baseline, you're going to destroy it for every cut that you make in that bag, every compromise of structural integrity of that bag, you begin to potentially ruin any evidence that's there because all this stuff is very fragile. Oh my God, it's so fragile. So when you remove this body, you have to lift it up. And then what we generally do is take a clean white sheet and that clean white sheet is placed into an open body bag. The sheet is then folded around the body, which in JJ's case is contained, is cocooned, like we mentioned. And then you zip the bag up and then you you seal it with a lock. That's where your chain of custody actually begins. Remember, the body is the biggest piece of evidence you have. So there are these little red locks, and they actually talked about them in court, little red locks that you use that have numbers on them. And that thing is not broken until it gets to the morgue. And the forensic pathologist will look at it, and they'll annotate it in their notes. They say, I observed a red body bag lock with a number. And then they take a pair of scissors, and they say, and they'll include in the report, I cut this away myself. So they confirm this chain of custody all along the way. You have to, because, you know, you've got a body, Dave, that's traveling over 100 miles. It's going to be in a vehicle traveling down. And people don't think about the logistics of this. Does the driver stop along the way? Is the driver with the body the entire time? Did they stop off and get something to eat? Did they stop off at a gas station? People think, oh, my God, they wouldn't do that. Yes, they do. I've, I've actually known people that have gone through drive through restaurants with bodies in cars. And because of that, we've taken steps to document the time that they leave, the mileage that's on the odometer, what time did you arrive at the final destination, what was your mileage there, because everything has to be accounted for. And you want that. And it's a daunting task just to remove the body from the scene and get it downrange to where it has to be deposited, which is going to be Ada County, Idaho. We all have heard the stories of the odor. These bodies have been in the ground for a considerable amount of time. Is there still, after all these months, is there still an odor? Is it something that you can smell once you start uncovering? Yes and yes. The deeper you dig down, the more profound the odor is. So in JJ's case, what I'm understanding from testimony and from my colleagues that have seen the images, he was actually appreciable. His face was appreciable. You could look at that image that they showed on the screen and you could say, that's JJ. 
he was intact. Now, the color changes that come along with decomposition had been occurring. In death, our bodies go from kind of a, a mottled color to to kind of a red, then kind of a, a greenish color, then to black. And you could still appreciate his features. His body was intact to the point where you could look at his body and at least visually get a general confirmation of identification. That's not valid in my world. I like to have scientific confirmation. And I just like to eyeball the body and say, that is, in fact, this person. I don't even like families to do that because you never know what's going to happen. There's always something along the way. So I like to get scientific confirmation with fingerprints or dental or certainly DNA. The process is just beginning now. What happened, you know, when you got the remains to the morgue? Well, one of the things that was so glaring, you know, those pajamas, that J.J. was last seen in as he's being borne by Alex Cox on his shoulder. He's wearing those pajamas, Dave. He's wearing those pajamas. That was part of the testimony that came up with David Warwick, the boyfriend at the time of uh, Lori Vallow's best friend, Melanie Gibb. He was there that weekend of September 22nd, 23rd, and he gave a description of Alex Cox carrying J.J., into the Vallow apartment, and he it was a very beautiful thing that he described J.J. with his head resting on Alex's shoulder and Alex taking his nephew upstairs to the bedroom. He described the clothes, even though he said, I, I don't know exactly, I can't remember 100%, but I think he actually, by saying, I think he was wearing, you know, and he described the clothing that J.J. was found in. And that, if you were watching the trial you're going or listening to it, you're wondering, why is he saying this? Well, that's why they knew the answer. Yeah, they knew the answer. And I think that many people had and there have been people that have suspected that J.J. may have been deceased when Alex was carrying him along that night. I don't believe that was the case. I'll go ahead and reveal this right now, because one of the things that came up in testimony was that when they were able to do toxicology and remember, they didn't really have blood or urine to do tox with J.J., so that means that you, in, at autopsy, what you have to do is you have to take organ samples. These are going to be pre-fixed organ samples. So you can't like expose them to formalin, or, which is a type of formaldehyde. You have to get them in the current state in which you find them. And we've talked about this before, but they're spun down at that moment in time to liquefy them. Liver in particular, because liver is, it's like a gigantic filter in our body and it holds on to a lot of the toxins and whatnot. But what they did find in JJ's system was actually gamma hydroxy uh, butyrate, which GHB, which is a rape drug. Now people will say, ah, that's like an aha moment. You know, light bulb goes off and people thought that maybe he had been poisoned. That's probably not the case because let me kind of throw this out to you, Dave. In decomposition, GHB is actually produced and it's very in the process of decomposition, just like people don't realize like chloroform is actually produced in the decomposition process. The problem that Dr. Warren had in a case and any physician has when you begin to talk about tox and trying to understand what's on board is that when you're out down your timeline like this from this the sense of decomposition. You can't get a quantified amount of something. You can qualify it. You know, the machinery will tell you that, yeah, this is present. But to what degree is it present? It's not really measurable. Because one of the things, any drug you can think of, 
cocaine, for instance. Cocaine, actually, if you look at it, for folks that are not familiar with lab results, as you know, that cocaine actually has a therapeutic level because cocaine has been used for medical purposes. So it has a therapeutic range. So everything, all these numbers are variable. You can't put that kind of fine point on a body that's decomposing. So I think that it's significant that GHB was in his system to a certain degree, but based on the fact that there was so much decomposition or that he was downrange that far, you just can't quantify it. And so I think some folks are probably, they were hoping that you would have that definitively there as a cause of death for him. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. There have been many times in my career where I was assisting with an autopsy and I would look down at the remains that we were examining and you have kind of this moment where you begin to understand what you're in the middle of. You have this appreciation for how fragile this person's remains are that are before you and all of the evidence contained within and without. I've hesitated before. I actually had a a forensic pathologist look at me one time. We were doing an autopsy on a lady that had been bound and gagged. And I kind of froze for a moment. And he looked at me and said, what are you waiting for? Let's get on with this. I was trying to understand 
or process in my mind what I needed to do to remove these bindings from this lady's hand. She had been tied with rope because I didn't want to screw anything up. I can imagine there's a hesitancy on the part of the prosector, the pathologist that's there and his assistants, his team. They want to make sure that they have everything done and documented x-rays, photography, measurements, all of that stuff has to be done before they go in and begin to remove all these layers that JJ's packaged in. When it comes right down to it, you have taken care of all of the business necessary to get JJ's remains up out of the ground. He has been transported. It's been documented. And now he's on the table. And so far they cut a small slit and that's it, right? He's then put in the body bag with the white sheet. He's now on the table in a clinical setting. And what happens now? And what can you expect to find? I can tell you what they've done. They've done full body x-rays on him because they don't know what they're going to find when they open that bag. You don't know what a cause of death is at this point. Remember, you you know, I was talking about toxicology and whatnot. That's weeks away <laughs> at this point. You have no idea what you're looking at here. And so they'll do head-to-toe x-rays before they do that. They'll turn that around really quickly. They'll develop them and throw them up on the light board. And they'll look for any kind of what we refer to as radio-opaque items that are in there, like broken knife blades or certainly projectiles from a firearm. You want to avoid, as you're removing this tape, you don't want to go ripping and roaring. Here's a couple of reasons why. First off, with the tape, if you begin to kind of cut it, then you're compromising the integrity of that tape to dislodge it, okay, just to facilitate opening the bag. So you don't know what's going to be contained on either aspect of that tape, like on the smooth surface that's on the backside, the non-tacky surface, and then on the underside, which I can get into that certainly. But then you think about the bag itself. Well, these bags are non to a certain degree, they're a non-porous surface. They're not exactly like glass, but it's you're not dealing with wood, like rough wood either. There are any number of times when you can actually get fingerprints off of bags. Certainly the interior, heat and humidity play a, a role in this, but you have to work from the perspective that anything that is on the surface of that bag has the potential of leaving something behind. And that could be a latent print that's left behind in oil. Or here's something, Dave, that not many people have heard of before. We have something to refer to as plastic prints. And a plastic print is all of our listeners just imagine, and this is something I do with my granddaughter. She loves Play-Doh. <laughs> she loves Play-Doh, man. Hadn't got the silly putty yet, but she loves Play-Doh. Harper and I will be playing with Play-Doh, you know, if you press your finger into the Play-Doh and remove it, you can actually appreciate your fingerprint. It's the same principle with duct tape. With that tacky, the glue, the adhesive that's on there, did you know that you can actually press your finger? And I urge anybody, look, if you've ever wrapped Christmas presents and you're in a frenzy on <laughs> Christmas Eve, you know how kind of wadded the, the tape gets and it'll get stuck to your hand, you're trying to get it off. Well, you're leaving a plastic print. It's not oil dependent, okay? Because that's on smooth surfaces, you leave a print behind because, and it transfers from these fatty lipids that are on the surface of your fingers. Okay. It's easily compromised. But when you talk about leaving it behind in this adhesive, that's resilient, dude. It really is. And so you can actually image that 
there's any number of sprays that you can apply to this. They'll kind of capture it and you can get beautiful photographs of this stuff and they can be matched up with people. So it's akin to almost like walking through a minefield because you don't, because you can't see anything when you're doing it. So you have to assume that every place you put your hand in order to remove tape or whatever the case might be, that could lead to a compromise. Joe, let me ask you, you're observing the body or you're observing, you know, the bag. Okay. And you see tape, you see bags, you see all of this overall, and you're making not just mental notes, but physical notes. As you begin to unravel this, whether it's duct tape or bags, what is that process for documenting and how do you get to, because your goal here is to find out how this person died, correct? In the case of J.J. Vallow, if they've already done x-rays and they don't see any obvious signs of bullets or knife blades that are broken off or fractures that might result from blunt force trauma, like he had his skull crushed, as horrible as that is, then you begin to think, well, is this drug related or is this something else? And you begin to exclude things. And, you know, Dr. Warren's conclusion relative to J.J. was that his remains demonstrated to them based upon how that white bag, remember I mentioned the white bag earlier in this episode, was wrapped around his head with multiple links of this tape, that his death resulted from suffocation. That's a diagnosis of exclusion is what that means, is that you've you have gotten to this point, you don't have any other answers to what may have brought about his death. Are you suggesting that he was alive when they put the bag on his head? Yes. Yeah, I am. And you know how I know that, Dave? I'll tell you how I know it. He actually had marks on his little fingers that would be consistent with a struggle. These are anti-mortem, which means, of course, all my listeners you know, know this prior to death. That's where these insults came from. He's got these marks that are on his wrist. His hands were actually bound with duct tape. They were overlapped on top of one another. And multiple twists of this tape were facilitated like that. So imagine if you want to get a sense of how horrific this is. If you have ever been in a position where you've had to struggle to breathe, that's what this child was faced with. His brain is screaming, I need oxygen. And it's at that point in time, let me paint this picture for you a little bit more in depth. This is a child that had to wear a diaper at his age. This child was totally dependent upon the adults in his life to take care of it. He had physical issues. He had developmental issues. And whoever did this put a plastic bag over this baby's head and turned that tape over and over and over again, and blocked his airway. He could not uptake oxygen at all, and he's struggling. That primal brain is kicking in, and he's fighting. He's fighting however he could in order to try to break the surface of the proverbial water just to get a breath. He couldn't. It wasn't there any longer. The one thing that a lot of us can hold on to when we cover these stories is that the victim didn't suffer. But now you're telling me the exact opposite, and you are able to determine this by the way his body was found in the ground, that not only 
was he murdered by probably a loved one, but that he suffered and knew who did it and what they were doing when it was happening. I'm saying that plainly. Yeah. He had an awareness. And yes, he did suffer. That conclusion is being drawn by what Dr. Warren had stated. There was evidence there that he had struggled. He had fought for his life. People use that term. They throw it around. To what degree do you have the ability to fight for your life if you're a small child and you've got the hands of an adult or adults on you facilitating your death? In order to honor both Tylee and JJ, we're going to have two separate episodes detailing the information that we have surrounding their deaths and the findings of the forensic pathologist and the forensic anthropologist. Tune in Thursday for our follow-up episode where we will be discussing the death of Tyler Ryan. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.